0: Welcome in. It's the Snowmageddon edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast here with the Star. I'm your host, Derek Schultz. The star of the show, as always, is Greg Doyle. And I hope everybody's staying safe out there, Greg, because it's getting pretty nasty outside. We're actually taping this right now on Monday afternoon as opposed to our normal Tuesday. And that's not necessarily weather related. But um, if you've been paying attention to the forecast at all, it looks like we're going to get the most snowfall here in, in the Indianapolis area since 2014. And it's it's just starting to really come down right now at three o'clock in the afternoon while we're taping this.
1: Yeah, it's brutal. Um, you know, smart people measure scotch by fingers. You know, I like Aaron Rodgers always talks about after a game. I'm gonna have tonight. I'm gonna have two fingers of scotch, or whatever, which always bothers me. But um, I measure snow by dogs. And this is a dachshund snow now. It's a miniature schnauzer level coming down soon. We're gonna have a great dane snow by the end of the night. It's gonna be like that's that's where the snow's hitting the these dogs' belly.
0: Yeah, bad news for my Shih Tzu mix then, because he's uh, not much bigger than Indy. I don't think he's really bigger at all. He's he's a little bit taller. I don't know
1: what he's mixed with than a normal Shih Tzu, but still kind of that same size. There's no way your dog's taller than Indy if it's a Shih Tzu mix. There's no way. Indy's, all, Indy's got long legs and a fat belly.
0: He's got long legs for a Shih Tzu. We got him from a rescue, though, so they don't really know the lineage, and I've never done the dog genealogy thing for him, but... Uh, He's bigger than, you know, most shih tzus have really stubby legs And Oliver Longpaw Schultz has longer paws
1: Hence, Longpaw as his middle name I don't mean to be juvenile or whatever But why they name it that And and why do you have to say the word over and over Because all anybody thinks about is what you're saying, shih tzu That's all we're thinking about I mean, it's it's an awful name, it's terrible
0: It is bad Uh, He's named after the wand maker in Harry Potter Garrick Ollivander And so we call him Ollivander is his given name, but Oliver
1: or Ali for short. No, you know, I'm I'm saying that the breed Shih Tzu sounds horrible. I don't oh, I that. know. That's
0: yeah, that sounds bad. Yeah.
1: Um, no, you I, picked I, a great name.
0: I I just think it's really pretentious to say Shih Tzu because that's what some people say instead of because they don't want to emphasize the you know how it sounds like S H I T. Um, but Shih Tzu just sounds really stupid. So I just I just go right for it and throw it out there. <laughs> Uh, Before we get into IU basketball, we got a lot to talk about this week, the Colts ongoing quarterback search. Um, I loved your column because I think I had the same reaction as everybody else. Like, what is the deal with these Kokomo billboards? They're everywhere. And forever, it was a dead link. I'm not sure if it still is, but I actually went when I first started seeing them around town. This was several months ago. I went and tried to look at whatever the website was. I don't remember what it was on the billboard. And it said, you know, error does not exist or whatever else. I mean, I knew that it was the 60th anniversary of the team, but I had no idea behind the, you know, the lineage or the reason for it. And of course, as you always do, you unearthed all of this. And I don't want to ruin the column for people that haven't read it yet, because I want people to subscribe to your content and, and, and all of that. But, um, one of my favorites it, it cracks my top 5 of greg doyle columns just because i was so interested in the story itself
1: yeah those kokomo state champs billboards are everywhere i it, it kind of um pushed me over the limit when i was driving back to ohio a couple weeks ago to see my boy and i saw a billboard on i74 heading towards cincinnati it was somewhere near shelbyville so what not far out of town, but that Shelby was a long way from Kokomo. I saw that billboard and thought, Enough's enough, I need to know what's going on here. And then it allowed me to tell a couple stories a the story about the billboard, and then also b the story about Kokomo and the state championship team they had. And it was, you know, I mean, every state championship team is interesting, they all have a story, um, or they all have a player with a great story, or both. Um, this one had a rather infamous player that uh, I was able to get into a little bit. Never wrote never wrote about that guy before and probably won't ever do it again, but I did it now. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm not some,
0: like, Indiana high school basketball historian, but the semi-state game against Manuel is a fairly historic and memorable game, right, that, that people often – I have no idea who they played in the championship game, but I remember the fact that Kokomo and the Van Arsdale twins played an overtime game in the semi-state in 61. Like, people seem to still talk about that that
1: was the final
0: oh that was the final oh okay sorry i thought i thought for some reason that was a semi-state game so i guess it wasn't as memorable as that i i thought people remembered specifically that championship game as part of it um you know whereas there have been some state champions that i don't know uh, they won the state championship but you don't necessarily have this game that people still
1: talk about 40 50 60 years later well yeah 61 being that was the year of the van arsdales and they i mean you, you talk about just some weird twin stuff and some of it's like them sharing Indy Star, uh, Mr. Basketball, that's not some weird twin thing. They just happen to be <laughs> twins, and they're both identical stat But the weird thing is their stats were identical, and their game's identical. Of course, their bodies are identical. I mean, everything they did, they even both went to the NBA and both made three All-Star teams in different yeah. years. But, I mean, it's just weird stuff. So, yeah, the, the Van Arsdales were a, a big part of that story. But there's a guy at Kokomo named Goose Ligon who – uh, had quite a career and, and not not in a good way. Um, quite a, quite a life that guy lived.
0: Yeah, if you want to check it out indiestar.com, you can also do so via the Indiestar app and uh, for subscribers only as premium content for Greg's column, I highly
1: recommend it. Oh, by Let's the way, about- by the way. So I, I tweeted out, you know, did you ever wonder about the Kokomo billboards, me too? And I put the link. Somebody somebody tweeted back and said, um, I don't descri- I don't subscribe. So what's the answer? Like, are you, are you serious now? Am I? Oh, let me let me tell you. Like, I don't walk into Burger King and say, I, I don't buy your burgers, but I'm hungry, so give me one anyway. Like, no, no, you don't have to read it. That's fine, but don't come to me and ask me to give it to you. Oh,
0: people have no shame when it comes to stuff like that. You know how it is. Another one of your columns actually that preceded the Kokomo billboard one was about Indiana's lackluster performance, albeit against a very good opponent in Ohio state with Chris Holtman, um, a guy that, uh, I've always had a lot of respect for, of course, dating from his days as Butler head coach. who's done a a really nice job with that program, but just sounds to me, Greg, like I I know we've had kind of ebbs and flows of this season and had had to react accordingly. It sounds like you're just over it now.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, if you read that story and I know you did, um, there's different ways to lay into somebody there's different ways you can you know the way i used to do it and and i'll do it some now i'm sure like josh mcdaniels i just went i just laid into him um there's different ways of doing it and this way i was much more subtle um i think i never really like i mentioned that um fourth year iu coach archie miller marveled at the program chris holtman has built in four years in ohio you know are people getting what i just wrote like they've been there the same exact number of years and archie's impressed with what chris has done at the exact same time and and archie said he gave a and i asked a follow-up question about this and didn't get much of an answer but i mean i got an answer it wasn't worth using but he said we really didn't have a chance against their physicality there was nothing we could have done against it and and i'm just thinking well who whose fault is that I asked him a question was, do you guys need to lift weights more? What What are you saying about physicality? And he was just saying they're oh, Ohio State's the most physical team in America almost. But I'm just watching that game and even listening to Archie kind of explain what went wrong. And I'm thinking, this is – you're IU. You know, you're not – you're not Illinois State going into True Value City Arena. You're IU. And you're, and you're basically saying you just got punked. This is year four. That can't happen. Yeah, and –
0: you know, it's just kind of the same old song and dance with him. I, I think people are kind of tired of the excuses about toughness and physicality and all of that. And I, I'm kind of like you, Greg. I'm thinking to myself, well, you got to wear some of that, right? That's not just your players. You, you you pick these guys, you bring them in, so you've got to get that out of them. Also, I think I think something else. You know, you mentioned the fact that both of them were hired in the same offseason. There's been a lot of talk about, oh well, Indiana should have hired Chris Holtman. And I don't know this for sure, Greg. I've never actually asked him myself. I don't get the feeling that Chris Holtman was going to leave Butler for the IU job because I don't think he would have done that to Butler. But you know what? I don't. I don't know that. You know, if IU came to him with the same money that he's getting at Ohio State, maybe he says yes. I, I have no idea. That's just a gut feeling to me. That um, you know, it's kind of like the Arians Pagano thing. People are like, well, why didn't they hire Arians? Well. Arians would have never taken that job. He would have never stepped over Pagano recovering from cancer after one year to become the Colts head coach. It's just not the kind of person he is. And um and I, I don't know if Holtman would have ever considered IU because I don't think he would want to twist the knife on Butler like
1: that. I know for a fact he he wouldn't he wasn't going to a, he wasn't. He wasn't going to IU. Uh, I know that for a fact. You you know, you can ask me how do you know that? And you can guess how I know that, but I know that for a fact. And I also know for a fact. I mean, obviously, he's there. That Ohio State was on his radar, had been for a couple of years. That you know, because Thad Motto was there, and and it wasn't going great for Thad. And I mean, and Holman wasn't. You know, he wasn't trying to get the job, but that was in the back of his mind. There, there's a handful of programs that are just so good, or their job is so good, or their their financial situation, whatever. And Ohio State has always been, and it caught me off guard. It doesn't anymore. But first time I heard this. 20 years ago, maybe, when I was covering college basketball for CBS. And, you know, it it used to be a big thing. We don't do it as much anymore, but it used to be a big thing. Like, what's the best job in that conference? What's the best job in this conference? And about 20 years ago was the first time I heard that Ohio State might be the best job in the Big Ten as far as just if you're polling coaches around the country, what's the best job in every conference? Ohio State gets the Big Ten one agrees. And so anyway, once Ohio State came open, I knew it was over. But yeah, IU IU was never getting him. That's like saying, well, the Colts should have up to their ante and traded for Matt Stafford. Well, it takes two. The the Lions have to give you Stafford. And B, you've got to be able to trump what the Rams did, and you can't. So he was never coming to IU. When you look at this Indiana team, um, they look like
0: they're barely going to be an NCAA tournament team, I guess. Uh, They survived, thankfully, that Northwestern game, even though that was far more about You know, I guess I shouldn't say that. I mean, Al Durham and uh, there were guys that made plays down the stretch, um, Armand Franklin, but for the most part, that was just as much about Northwestern choking as it was Indiana coming back to win that game. Um, we've had this discussion before Greg, but is that enough? Do you think just, just to sneak into the tournament and quietly go into the night with a play in game loss or a first round loss in the seven 10 game? Is that enough for Archie Miller to get a year five?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, and I, and I, I would understand it. I, I'm not sure I necessarily would agree with it, um, but I would understand that because because last year, yeah, you, you have to say it was a tournament team. They, you know, there was no tournament, but you either were or you weren't going to get there, and they were going to get there. So you have to give him credit for you know even if you give him credit for losing the first round. That that was a tournament team, and this year, if they're in, that means he's been there four years, and the last two are when you got the tournament. That's that's really sending a bad signal to everybody out there, at least other coaches that, you know, that might want to leave a pretty good job to come to IU. Well, if I use the kind of place that will give a coach only four years and and in years three and four, he actually got in the tournament and you're firing him anyway, good luck hiring somebody else. You know, somebody will always take the job, but the question is, or how coveted are you? I don't think you're a coveted administration. If you fire Archie Miller after year four, when they're in the tournament. It's so frustrating because it
0: feels like they're close, and if we're to assume that Jackson Davis comes back, then that should be a team that is, you know, in the mix in the Big Ten on paper at the very least. But, of course, there's always attrition and and things to talk about. Um, let's get into Purdue and Butler as well. Uh, not a great week. You know, Butler, uh, Butler's kind of got a punt season, to be totally honest. I mean, this is a transition year. They've got a young team. You knew that they weren't going anywhere still to get behind 25 against a pretty woeful Georgetown team and and lose one-sided like that um very disappointing and, and another guy that in Laval Jordan Greg who I really want to see do well but I, I still don't really know if Laval Jordan is the guy for them like he still very much has to prove himself to me
1: yeah uh, I, I'm not checked out on Laval um he's recruited actually this past year has recruited better than I thought. Yeah, better than he'd done. So I kind of thought, you know, he might be a really good coach, but if he can't get good talent in here, it really doesn't matter. Um, I think he can get pretty good talent there. And we're not seeing their best freshman was Scooby, and he's out for the year with an injury. And he he was even, you know, ahead of the season. Not, it's not like convenient to say it now, but going into the year, he was considered their best player, or at least their best freshman. And he's out. So we we, we will see. We will see the jury is way out on, on Laval. There's certainly a lot more information to Judge Archie than Laval right now. Um, and I, I do think to, to carry this one step further, if IU doesn't get in, see, to me, it's not interesting if IU gets in. To me, it's, and by interesting, I mean, it's no mystery. He's coming back. I just, I mean, I agree. I'm serious. I agree with you. Where it gets interesting is if they don't make it, do you, you know, do you, because it's still a pretty big buyout and during the pandemic with revenue streams being what they are, th- there's no money. There's no money to buy them out. So I, I don't know. Do you do you do you fire him after year four? I, I mean, we, I'm not sure we're going to find out because I, th- I think they're going to get in, but it's going to be close. If you and and I get that this pandemic is
0: unprecedented. In my experience, Greg, when I've seen this, if you really want to move on from somebody, you find the money. You know what I mean? In these major college athletics, these donors and all of that. I know, I know. You know, Indiana's not Texas per se, but they're also not as you mentioned Illinois State. So I think if they're really committed to moving on from him, then they move on from him. They make that decision. But I I thought to myself that this year would have to be like a disaster and have to really go south for them to move on from Archie Miller after four years. And since it hasn't been – it's been disappointing. It's been up and down. It's been inconsistent. I I wouldn't define this season as a disaster for Indiana. You know, losing to Northwestern and getting swept by them would have made it kind of a disaster. (laughs) But they avoided that, luckily, last week. Uh, And then Purdue – it's weird because Purdue is overachieving in the grand scheme of things, but you know they had kind of two games in the last two weeks that they really had no business losing. They, they didn't close out Maryland and they lost to a Maryland team. Who's not great. And Minnesota, they, they dominated basically the whole way. I mean, they, they had that game firmly in their grasp and they just kind of let it go. And we, we could sit here and talk about officiating. You know, I didn't love every call. Um, Minnesota, got every break and every bounce that kid banking in a three was total slop in the final minute but you know it happens I, I guess it kind of feels good to be disappointed by Purdue doesn't it Greg because it, it shows that you know the expectations bar we've raised it from where it was let's say in November or December
1: yeah and when you see something like that uh, in, in recent weeks two games like that you kind of I mean at least this way I am maybe because I'm, I'm I'm scared a little bit about you know, teams and what, what they're going to do. But you, you just kind of wonder, are they finding their level? And is this or, – or is the, is there enough tape out there now that teams are shutting down this or that? Um, I don't necessarily think that's what we're seeing. But until Purdue, you know, turns it turns it back around and gets back where we thought they were, you don't know. So the, the next the, – the, they're playing uh, – well, they're playing Tuesday night. Somebody. And I'm covering that game, whoever they're playing. Michigan so. State. Yeah, talking about falling off a cliff. Holy, yeah, they've
0: been they've been awful. Um, and they were and the I thing, think
1: they were ranked number four, or number
0: five at one point this year.
1: That's as big a fall as I've seen since um, I was when I was at the Charlotte Observer, covering the ACC one year. Virginia, when Pete Gillen was our coach, Virginia was number four in the country, like in December, and missed the tournament. It was that, that was the biggest fall I've ever seen. And Michigan State's about to do it again. The thing about Michigan State and Izzo and all that and what's dangerous is that you're playing a team that you know is not very good, that everybody's beating, and yet Izzo's still their coach. They still have certain characteristics that Izzo teams always have, and they're going to beat somebody. They're going to, because Izzo's, they're going to beat somebody, and you just don't want it to be you, whoever you are.
0: Yeah, it's still a talented team. Um, While we're on the topic of the falls, not to steer it back to Indiana again, but uh Creens last year, that Ananobi Bryant team that beat Kansas in I think their first game and then they beat Carolina and they ended up missing the tournament and losing in the NIT. They were number two or number three, I think, until they got beat by Fort Wayne in December, weren't they? You Good remember that of, that IU team? They were top five? Oh yeah. They they had they had wins over two one seeds in Kansas and 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 they, they killed Carolina in the Big Ten Acc challenge in Bloomington. And they went to Fort Wayne in a true road game up at the Old War Coliseum and lost. And they just completely fell apart. I, I if I remember right, Ananobi got hurt somewhere in there. To, you know, that's not to excuse them completely right. capsizing on the season, but they, uh, I, I'll have to look it up to see how high they actually got in the polls. But I want to say they were number two or number three at one point.
1: Interesting that I'm remembering Virginia from 1999 or whatever that was. And I'm not remembering IU when I was actually covering that team from three years ago, whenever that was. So that just, my memory is kind of a strange deal. I've always, my sports knowledge has always been better, actually, from the 1970s. I grew up reading, I mean, there wasn't much to do in Mississippi, so I read the Sports Almanac and just, you know, read all this stuff. And so I've always known Super Bowl winners and World Series and NBA champions from the 70s much more than the last 10 years, even in, in games that I've been at. It's very strange. Yeah, they were number
0: three on November 27th and uh, and lost to – or November 22nd, lost to Fort Wayne and then beat Carolina. And they were still in the top 25 as late as the second week in January. And then, um, yeah, just ended up falling off. I mean, we all know what happened with the Seven Eleven of the Big Ten and Tom Crean's job. Um, but Purdue, luckily, steering it back to them, they've got a pillowy soft finish here because not that any of these teams should be overlooked, but Nebraska stinks. Uh, Penn state stinks, Wisconsin will be a tough game. And then they've got Indiana at home who obviously they've dominated over the last couple of years and they've already won this season. So hopefully Purdue can kind of string something together here before the big 10 tournament starts, um, and, and get back on the right thing uh, on the right path. Cause I think they've split their last, their last six. I think they're three and three. They've been a little bit up and down. Uh, moving over to the Colts, nothing new as, as far as we're taping this on this, the Carson Wentz front, it appears still that the Colts and Bears are the two teams that are interested. I don't know if anybody else is even interested right now. And from the reports specifically in Philly, Greg, it seems that um, that the Eagles want more. And Chris Bauer is holding the line with whatever offer is on the table there. Um, I think it was a first rounder and a third rounder or something like that. Um, and the Bears still involved with whatever they're offering. I'm not as much paying attention to the Bears. But the other name that's kind of emerged here that that is not being actively shot, but teams are calling about him. And we've talked about him on this podcast before. Hell, we've talked about every quarterback is Sam Darnold. And, um, and I know you're not a fan and I'm not a fan either. But given what you'd have to give up to get Wentz, it would likely be more. And there's a big contract coming back. Because of the compensation and because of what you'd have to part with, would Darnold – If, you know, gun to your head, you had to choose one. Is Darnold the better play than Wentz?
1: Oh, is he the better play than Wentz? I mean, he might be. The thing about Wentz is that you just don't know yet. You don't know if he can come back. You don't know. Darnold, I feel like we know. I I feel like we, hell, I kind of thought I knew when he was a Southern Cal. He just played like a guy that his as much talent as he has. And he obviously has talent. But as much talent as he has, he plays like a guy with more confidence than talent. Tries to put the ball in places. He's not good enough to do it, and hadn't learned yet. He can't do that, and I just—he rubs me the wrong way. I don't like—I don't like him at all. I've never, you know, the, as this process has gone along, I've lowered my expectations. Like I'm sure a lot of people have to, you know, where Matt Ryan. I'm like I'm on Matt Ryan train. Like go get Matt Ryan. You know, a month ago that would have been ludicrous to me, but right now that looks good. I, I don't know what has happened for me to lower myself to get Sam Darnold train, but but I'm not there yet. I'm not even close. Uh, he was
0: dead last in QBR And I know people roll their eyes At advanced stats and all that and, and look, the Jets are a, a grease fire And their coach is an idiot But um, Darnold, you would think Would have shown something Because even quarterbacks on Look at Deshaun Watson and the Texans The Texans stink But Deshaun Watson still put up incredible numbers And, and advanced stats wise Was fantastic this year Despite the fact that And the Texans are a better organization Well, I don't know if they're a better organization They have more talent than this Jets team but still, you know, Watson did at least something this year. And Darnold, Greg, Darnold's one of those guys. I've been hearing about how great he is for like 10 years. And every time I watch him, I'm like, yeah? Really? Where where? You know, I'm not a scout or anything, but I, I watch him play and I've never been wowed
1: by Sam Darnold, ever. Yeah, like, you know, the the quarterback of the Bills, Allen, even when he was a rookie and not putting up great numbers, you you see glimpses, you're like, okay, that's special. Okay, that's special. Okay, that's special. You see glimpses of these guys. Darn! I've never seen a glimpse of Darnold. I've never seen anything. I mean, I'm sure he's got highlights. I mean, he's thrown some touchdowns. I'm sure there are, are plays where he looks like he's good. But I've never gotten the sense that there's something really special there. And and the thing about Darnold, the reason why I'm so anti-Darnold, is I don't think he'd be any better for the Colts than, than one of these older guys. I mean, he's probably better than Fitzpatrick because Fitzpatrick's about to be 50. But you go get someone like Fitzpatrick or somebody like that, and you're you're only committing yourself to a year, and you're you you know you're kicking the can a year down the road. But that's what you're doing. But if you get Darnold or Wentz, you're kind of saying this is our guy for a long time. Yeah. And I don't like that at all. Not any.
0: I'm still thinking that they're gonna go down the veteran road, like you mentioned. Um, Mariota's another name who I, I always you know another guy that I was never wowed by and never did anything in Tennessee except underachieve. Um, but something like some combination of Mariota and a draft pick. Um, and I, I don't know how this is going to go. The mock drafts are all over the place, but if if somebody like Lance or fields or Wilson somehow dropped to like the lower single digits or even into the, the early double digits, I wonder if Boward would get really aggressive and make a move. But of course we have no idea what's going to happen in the draft and people always overpay for quarterbacks. So. You know I saw one draft that had both of those guys falling out of the top eight. and i I can't imagine that that happens. Uh, I'm sorry for lance and uh, and uh, fields.
1: yeah, with ballard, i I don't have a sense at all with that guy. and and he's really either he's really, really good at at not giving you any indication of what he's doing, or it's possible that he goes by the seat of his pants all the time, and even he doesn't know um and, and look he's really good i think he's really good and some people think that folks like me are too high on ballard i don't know i mean i look at that roster and i i like it <laughs> i like that roster a whole lot um and maybe his gift is that he does go by feel and he really doesn't even know himself what he's going to do until draft day rolls around i mean who the hell knows with that guy i don't know why he's so good i just know he's good but i also know i can never guess with him i never and it's hard to guess than the nfl gm they're all going to be hiding stuff but i like, I don't even try anymore with him. I used to try. I don't even try. Never mind.
0: Yeah. And good for him for playing his cards uh, close to the vest. That's what you should do instead of being real mouthy about it. Or, you know, you go back to the early Grigson and Ursay days where Ursay was talking about suitcases full of cash and hopping on the plane. <laughs> and it just felt like he, he was desperate to get that out there that the Colts were about to make big splashy moves. And then the splashy moves were always. You know, Darius Hayward Bay or Trent Richardson or all these guys who are, you know, couldn't play uh, or their careers were very short lived here. Um, I, I always feel obligated to talk about the Pacers, even though there's there's just really not much to say. They, they thankfully ended their losing skid. They won the final two games of a three game road trip after an embarrassing first half performance in Brooklyn. Uh, they beat a terrible Pistons team and then and then went and beat Atlanta. Um amazingly the Pacers at 14 and 13 are actually fourth in the east right now because the east stinks which is I guess good news for the blue and gold but you know really to me Greg there's there's not much that's going to change my opinion of them until if and when Levert comes back and if and when Warren comes back I, I would like to see them with all their bullets in the gun but as this team is currently constructed to me you know the, the regular season success thing we kind of talk Last week it's almost a waste of time Wondering if the Pacers are going to win 45 or 48 Games or whatever else To me it's just not even relevant You know, Get to the playoffs, win a first round series And then that's the bar for them Anything short of that to me in, in the season is a disappointment
1: I think, and I don't know who's in the top Of the seedings, I, I, Philly's in first I, I think avoiding, avoiding Philly and Boston in the first round Is what they need to do they play
0: means. Boston right now in the 4-5 Because Boston just fell below them So they'd be Boston and Indy in the
1: 4-5 series well, that's another team that's just—they're so much better than that. So I, you're yeah. telling me Boston's five? What is ten? Is, are the Raptors two? Uh, I think Milwaukee. Let Oh, let me the Bucks! Oh, good heavens! Oh, good heavens! Yeah, never mind. Uh, never mind. Uh, I don't Milwaukee, like any of those matchups. Uh, yeah, here
0: it is. Uh, Milwaukee two, Brooklyn three, and then as you mentioned, the Sixers are one. Who you definitely don't want to see because the Sixers, you know. I don't want to see any of those teams. Sixers the Pacers. Pacers. I don't see I don't The rest of it is, you know, Toronto, the Knicks, the Hornets, you know, the Heat. Everyone else has been kind of mediocre to bad.
1: Boy, so weird how the Heat fell off a cliff too. But yeah, the the Pacers that they're just playing single, um, their hand tied behind their back. And and Jay Michael of our paper had a really nice story about how, how teams are reacting to the Sabonis Brogdon pick and roll by by guarding it a different way. It's really kind of taking away a lot of Sabonis' creativity, which is the genius of that pick and roll. Is that Sabonis is just um, so they're they're kind of making Brogdon beat them with mid-range jumpers. And that's the worst shot in basketball, as we all know. So the Pacers, and Bjorkgren's good. Um, I mean, he's, uh, he's said to be really good, and I believe he is good. He's got to figure out a way to tweak that tweak, because right now they're getting beat on the pick-and-roll on offense. Yeah, and I'm fine with
0: – I'm not anti-mid-range, Greg. It's just you you can't only do that. And that was the big problem with McMillan teams, is that they just they didn't shoot threes at all. And they just relied on – you know, driving and and two point shots, and you, your whole offense can't be two point basketball, and that's what it was with McMillan because he played an offense that was stuck in nineteen
1: ninety five. It just doesn't seem fair to, to talk about the Pacers with much crit- criticism right now. I mean, there this is not a franchise that that you know can go get, go get superstars and and has another if you if you if someone's hurt, well then you got another one. Then it's not the Lakers where AD can have his. Achilles be tweaked, and you still have LeBron. You know, the Pacers, what Pritchard's really good at is is putting a, a team of all above average starters and getting them all out there and they play together great. And, but they, but they, you can't have attrition. And that's just the, the, the line is so, it's, it's such, a, it's just such a small line of uh, margin for error for the Pacers and for teams like the Pacers because you just don't have that kind of talent level. So you, you need all your players healthy. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, They're
0: fine, but they've been fine for five years. And that's where the frustration comes from. You know, it's just, you know, every once in a while I'll eat Subway and it's fine. It's just, I don't get excited about it. And it's not something I go out of my way for. It's just, you know, it's better than a Hardee's for me from a caloric intake thing. I'm still watching my figure and all that, you know, and the Pacers are just kind of like the Subway sandwiches at the NBA. It's just, you know, whatever it's bread and meat and cheese and you eat it and it sustains you, I guess but it's like the least exciting thing ever. Um, and, and, and that's not to say, you know, their, their brand of basketball is actually more exciting this year. I'm not saying that they're necessarily boring to watch. It's just that, you know, their, their level of play, just hanging around as the four or five seed and losing in the first round every year. It's just, it's whatever. It's, it's not bad. It's not good. They're just kind of there.
1: Is this where I tell you that I was going to tell you our new sponsor, Subway, but you just ruined <laughs> that. Sorry, Subway. Hey, Carl's Jr., Give me a call. I'm here. We'll have Clark grab that in post. He'll,
0: he'll have to edit that out for us. Um, parting thought here. Do you have any care, attention? Did you tune in at all to that Daytona 500
1: on Sunday night? No. In fact, I this morning I turned on ESPN and saw something about Bubba Wallace led a lap and, and uh, thought the 500 was yesterday. Like, I didn't even know. Didn't even know it was yesterday. I don't nascar doesn't do anything for me so no who won uh a guy named michael
0: McDowell, who had Ooh. a four he has had a 14 year career and like 250 300 starts and had never won a race before but logano and keselowski crashed into one another you know keselowski tried to make a pass and logano blocked him and they they made contact they crashed and McDowell emerged from that wreckage and you know every once in a while you have that where you just kind of have a. Um, you know a slot machine winner at daytona uh because of the super speedways and all the wrecks and all of that so i i think one beauty and not to play you know like uh make this a competition but one beauty of the indianapolis father greg is that you really don't have fluke winners um you know a lot of people said oh sato that's a fluke well he backed up that fluke by winning another one like he's he's a great driver and particularly at indy he'd always run up front but you've got you know trevor bain and um Derek Cope, and you've, you've got a couple of others over the years at Daytona that have just kind of, they've won, and then you've forgotten about them forever.
1: Yeah, and even Rossi, in, in real time, felt like maybe this is a fluke, because you know he, he coasted across the finish line several, a couple years ago with literally no, no gas, but he, he used the gas fuel to beat the whole no one else, everybody else had pulled over and pitted, pitted, so in real time that felt like maybe it was a fluke, but now we see just how gifted Rossi is as a driver, and so now you realize that yeah, he played the gas game right, but He's also gifted. He's gifted. So I like what you're saying there. I think the thing
0: with Rossi was that everyone knew he was super talented. It's just that specific year, they weren't expecting him to park it in victory lane. And, of course, he ended up doing that because everything fell his way. And now it's funny with Rossi because the racing gods always pay you back, right? Like the last couple of years, it feels like everything's gone wrong for Rossi. where He he had the tire issue in qualifying a couple of years ago. And I I thought that he had the best car even last year and was unable to – to find a way to win that race, had the penalty? If I remember right,
1: I I was there. I was there, <laughs> and don't have any idea what you're talking about. I don't even know who won. I was there. Don't know who did Soto win again this year? Yeah, That's right. I was yeah. there. We need so to talk about. We it. need
0: to talk about sports from 1999 again and get back into like Sean Singletary and you know U V Brian Stiff and UVA basketball. Kale
1: Yarbrough. I can talk Kale Yarbrough all day.
0: Jeff Conine, um, Edgar Renteria. Ooh, Craig, now you're I'm talking the so, language.
1: Yeah, Conine. <laughs> Conine, by the way, was a world-class handball player. Really? World-class.
0: I would think – I don't know much about handball, but I would think a lot of the skills translate because of the hand-eye coordination, right, from from playing baseball?
1: And maybe he was world-class racquetball. So forgive me. He was world-class at something with a ball and a hand or a racket. And it wasn't is he? It's, is he like Mr.
0: Marlin? I mean – it's not much. I know it's not much of a fan base down there, but wasn't he with them forever and like
1: one of their first players in the whole deal? He was Mr. Marlin. They traded him away, or maybe he went in free agency with the Orioles. But I mean, he was Mr. Marlin f- when they were not any good. He was like the face of the franchise when they were just trying to win. And then they've had a couple years. They threw money at the problem, on a couple a couple rings. But yeah, he, he might still be. He and Alex Fernandez, and uh, yeah, they've had they've had a they've had a couple guys that were really really popular. It kind of exceeded what you would think down there. It's, it's a very strange fan base. I mean, you, you talk about weird fan bases, the Miami baseball fan bases. It's very <laughs> tiny and passionate and strange. It's still
0: weird for me to call them Miami. I still call them Florida all the time because I, you know, hell, I still call the Raiders Oakland. So that's been tough for me as well. And the Rams, um, what's, yeah, the
1: Chargers, of San Diego to me. Yeah, I Chargers. Uh, what do you got cooking for this week that you can tell us? We got a Pacers game on Monday night. Got Purdue on Tuesday night um i'm working on a couple things i I mentioned it last week i think i'm working on something on the ihsaa and how they continually do the wrong thing when it comes to eligibility i'm working on that one i'm actually working on a story right now on on homelessness um in sports homelessness and in our city so that's really all i'm going to say about that one so i got a couple things i'm working on looking forward to all that
0: indystar.com if you want to check that out also the kokomo billboard greg isn't going to tell you the story you have to subscribe to read that and it's a great one definitely worth your time uh and schultz would be wednesday instead of tuesday like it normally is because of the snow we were unable to tape today but you can check out our website corian schultz.com or go to isc sports and, and find me um through that platform as well until next week greg we'll see you then stay safe out there with all the snow and
1: warm see you, Derek.